Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified podcast. This episode is much longer than usual episodes that I have. And I want to let you know that it's worth every minute of listening. So for this episode, if you need to save it and listen to it in a few pieces at a time, totally do that. But we talk about fast fashion, ways that we as consumers can take personal responsibility for the massive amount of clothing that we consume. We talk about some of the sad realities of how fast fashion affects people across the globe, specifically fast fashion workers. And I think that Sarah 
is such a great expert on this topic because she has a heart for humanity and she understands the nuance between being a responsible consumer, being a consumer who is a part of a consumer society and knowing that we do have limits in what we can do and what we are responsible for, as well as putting responsibility on these corporations who engage in unethical practices in their business that exploit people. So so had to pause for babies interrupting, but I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you and educates you on things that you might not have known. We talk about practical things that we can actually do as mothers and women when it comes to the choices that we make and how we buy and consume clothing. I hope that it makes you feel understood and empowered and just gives you some ideas of what you can actually do with your bandwidth and your resources now without feeling bad about it. Because I feel personally that when it comes to decluttering and waste and fast fashion options and all of these things, a lot of times we can end up shaming people or judging them for decisions that they make when that defeats the whole point, that defeats the whole point of this conversation. We are all a part of a system. We are all trying to do the best that we can do with the information and the resources and the availability and accessibility that we have. So if someone tells you that they can't afford to buy ethically sourced clothing, don't judge them for that. If somebody tells you, I have to, I just have to do this because this is what my income allows for me, don't judge them for that. If they make a decision that is best for them when it comes to what they consume or how they declutter or how they let things go, don't judge them for that. We are all inside of a society that is centered around overconsumption and it is designed by design. It makes it very difficult for us to get out of this. So that being said, I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Sarah. I hope that you go follow her on Instagram. I hope that you go listen to the other podcast episodes that she has. She has amazing guests. She speaks with kindness, but also truth. And I can't wait for you to have this conversation with us. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode. I am with who I would now consider a friend, Sarah. She is the host of the podcast, Socially Misguided, and she talks about misguided social issues and social justice issues, which is like a, a closet. I don't know if it's closet. You guys probably know it's like a pa it's a passion of mine, right? But I talk about decluttering for moms mainly. And so I don't always get a chance to talk about all of the things that she talks about on her podcast. So her podcast is amazing. For me, it's almost like a form of intellectual self-care. So <laughs> I, I love her show. I love her podcast and I'm really excited to introduce you to her. So hello, Sarah, and tell us just a little bit about you. Hey, thanks for having me on. And oh man, intellectual self-care. I think I might have to like write that into my intro or something. That's such a nice way to put that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, hi everyone. Um, my name is Sarah and yes, Kristen, and I have kind of become friends, um, being on each other's podcasts. I think we're both passionate about a lot of the same topics, um, which is really fun to kind of, um, become friends almost in real life. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, as far as, let's see, do you want like my 
background growing up? What do you want? Yeah. Well, I forgot <laughs> to tell people that what we're talking about today is, is basically <laughs> simplifying fast fashion, right? So I talk a lot about decluttering clothes and simplifying the amount of clothes that you have at home. I dabble in talking about, about fast fashion and things that we can do, but um, I'm excited to talk to you about this based on your background in like fashion design and manufacturing. You can, you can explain that part, but <laughs> yes, for everybody listening, we're talking about fast fashion today, the accessibility of it and what things that we can actually do about it as consumers and mothers, because it's not, it's not as simple as just like only buy from these types of people. Right. Um, it's not always accessible. Um, we'll talk about kind of the, the subtleties and nuances of fast fashion, but yes, your background in fashion would be an amazing place to start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. So um, I mostly grew up in Texas and Colorado. And then as soon as I graduated high school, I moved out to Los Angeles to go to school. And I went to FITM, which stands for the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Not a lot of people know what that is. I mean, rightly so. It's like an art school. But for those of us around our age, if you guys ever watched The Hills, Lauren Conrad from the Hills also went to that school. In fact, I had a few girlfriends that were actually in class um, with her. I was not, but that's kind of the easiest, I guess, claim to fame for people that don't know the school. Um, so I got my degree in merchandise product development, which is kind of a hybrid between fashion design and merchandise marketing, which is basically buying. Mm -hmm. So uh, we did everything from, you know, pattern making classes to like understanding how buyers um, do markup and, you know, things like that. And so I worked, graduated, um, graduated in Los Angeles, graduated from FITM, worked out there a couple years. Uh, my husband, well, boyfriend at the time, but now husband, <laughs> we moved back to Houston. Um, I also worked in the fashion industry here. I've done um, private label for Francesca's done a couple other things. And then I decided to be a stay at home mom. And now I am podcasting. <laughs> Yay. I love yeah. That. I love this. So you kind of, kind of, you have kind of like a behind the scenes of what the fashion industry is actually like and how things develop. And before we started recording, I told you I had a specific question for you, but have you watched, have you watched Lula Rich? I have started watching it. Yeah. It yes. I and I planned to finish it because I was um yeah, couldn't look away. It was yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So yes. when, so is that kind of the the types of things that you do cuz I remember they they brought in like some of the designers and stuff for like patterns and prints that they would they would sell. Is that the kind of stuff that you would do like creating patterns and prints not for LuLaRoe, but you know. <laughs> I know. Um, so actually in terms of that documentary, I hadn't got to the point where I saw the designers. It was kind of more the buildup of like the MLM and everything and like how they got people on board. But I'm assuming it's, um, I'm assuming it's a similar thing. I mean, things that I would do is um, we would meet with buyers. Um, we would get in sync in terms of calendars when they wanted to release certain collections. And then basically you reverse engineer and work backwards from that. So I would create spec sheets, which is basically kind of an Excel type sheet with a sketch of the garment um, with measurements for, um, you know, bust measurement, length, all these things, sewing instructions. 
And then we'd send it off to the factories, get a sample back. Um, and then you show that to the buyers and they approve or we make revisions or whatever. And then eventually that piece gets um, into the store. Okay. So yeah, it's kind of the same, the same process. And I'm going to have to pause for just a second. <laughs> um, so that, that does kind of sound similar to the way that they did designs on Lula Rich, which to me, I watched it kind of through the fast fashion lens um, where, yeah, they would, they would talk about the prints that they're making. They would talk about the designs that they're making. Um, you might have an interesting take on it because in addition to them, like mass producing products that they never actually sold, they also stole, uh, they stole designs from like small business designers and stuff, which to me, it was like, I didn't know this could get any worse. Oh, that's kind did. of a, yeah. And that's kind of a big, um, that's kind of a big thing. I know, like when I was working in the industry, I don't know currently what like this rate is or anything, but at that time, Forever 21 was getting in trouble all the time for doing, um, I mean, knockoffs, but basically not even like changing anything. <laughs> So they were getting, they were getting nailed all the time, but I think because of the sheer amount of stuff that they made and their popularity, I kind of feel like those lawsuits were probably drops in the bucket to them. So I don't really know that they really cared. And, you know, kind of like that, what do they say? Any fame is good fame <laughs> or like, I kind of feel like they had that attitude about, uh, attitude about it where it's like, no, this isn't right. And we might be getting in trouble for it, but it's not hurting our numbers in terms of consumption. So whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is, it's, yeah, it is a numbers game. Um, and I think it's a good way to highlight the, the ways that fast fashion, like how deep it really goes because then these individual designers, these small business designers are getting ripped off and they, there's, there's like legal jargon that says like if you if you alter it by like 15 percent, then it's not stealing their their ideas and their property and if you're a small business owner or a designer you're like well yes it is but then you don't have the money or the the ability to fight a legal battle against a multi-million dollar company like you just don't you can't do it um and so that's just another We'll talk about the ways that fast fashion like hurts many different people throughout like the web of society, but that is one of them. It's like it's the designers too. The designers they often also suffer because because of the fast fashion. So that's so true. And I kind of want to add, you know, we've seen more of this with the rise of influencers, and I'm sure everyone's kind of familiar with like dupes, you know, and dupes is honestly kind of a nicer way to say knockoff because obviously knockoff kind of has a stigma. I think people have um, education around that is, is gotten a little better over the past years. So it does have that stigma of like, you're taking someone else's ideas, but really dupes are kind of the same thing. And of course I understand the appeal of it, right? Why would you not want a dupe? Um, I don't know, Gucci, whatever, when many of us cannot afford the real thing, but like everything has a cost to it, right? So if you're getting this dupe Gucci, you know, loafer or belt or whatever it is, or t-shirt or whatever it is, you know, one, you're, this is someone else's like intellectual property that we're taking, 
Two, the reason that it's affordable has other implications for people in more vulnerable positions than us. And I know we're going to kind of get into more of that um, later, but we see that stuff all the time. And like I said, it's promoted like crazy um, on social media with like the rise of influencing. Okay. I have a story about this and okay. this is for, for the, the OG listeners and watchers of the Facebook lives that I did, but I had this hoodie that, that I loved and everybody loved it. It was like this cute little like zip up. It had like a side zipper right here. It was not a breastfeeding hoodie, but I could breastfeed one bait like off of one side. <laughs> and I was doing that, but it was a really cute hoodie. I loved it. I loved the color. And there was a boutique that sold it for like $65 and then I found it on Amazon, the exact same one for like $20. And I was like, that was, that was the beginning of me, like understanding like the, I don't know what the word for it is, like the supply chain of our clothing. It all generally comes from like one place and then brand names get put on it or taken off of it or whatever. And the prices are jacked up or they're dramatically dropped. And it's like, well, where, where's all of this coming from? Like, I thought that that was like a custom boutique where they like have these custom made hoodies for like $65. And it turns out it's a cheaply made exact replica of something you can get on Amazon. And so like, I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) How does this work? Yeah, no, you're right. And there's, there's kind of two parts to that. So yes, one, there are a lot of things that do come from the same place and you can kind of, um, in terms of like manufacturing, right? And it's kind of like, if you put this label on it, you can, you know, make more for it. But then there is the other side too that are like the direct knockoffs. And it's kind of like, you know, if it is a lot more expensive, maybe that company, um, hopefully because they want to be good people, but also maybe just because of the bureaucracy behind, you know, running a company and um, they're held to stricter, more stringent, what do you call them standards Mm -hmm. in terms of like transparency of where you're getting this manufactured and how are you treating your workers and all these things. Right. So they're kind of accountable for that, which also does increase the cost possibly as well as like their label name or yeah, a lot of things are coming from uh, on the other hand, a lot of things are coming from the same place and it's just um, different labels, different markups, different demographic. And that's why they're able to price it at these different, you know, Mm -hmm. Prices. (laughs) Prices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different demographics. I think, yeah. Especially when it comes to like the influencer land, whatever you want to influencer world, it's like just because they have built up their platform, then they, they, they can do that. Right. They can do whatever they want. Then I'm like, that was when, that was for me when I started being like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I don't know that I, I still don't know how I feel about it fully. Cause I'm like, ultimately, they're also a small business owner. Right. Like, Mm-hmm. in the U in the U.S. So that's great. And then also, is it, is it so great? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know where I stand on it fully. I kind of think it's one of those and situations. It's like you, you're right that their influencing business is their business and you want them to be successful and do well. And we also don't want the more vulnerable people, AKA the garment workers yeah. um, being taking advantage of to supply us, the consumer, all of these things. So it's really, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky cycle and it's really layered and nuanced. 
but I think it is important to start kind of peeling back those layers and understanding that, right? Mm-hmm. So the garment workers, I like that because I, it's so simple, but I'm like, what do we call this? Because ultimately there are people who are making these clothes for us, right? And mm-hmm. I did a, I think we kept it as just a Facebook live inside of the Facebook group. So if you guys want to watch that and listen to that, you can go listen to it with my grandma because she was also in the fashion industry. But, you know, she was in the fashion industry in like the late 50s, like early <laughs> 60s. Looked and, a little different. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looked really different. She told, she told me like interesting things like the reason that pencil skirts became in style is because fabric got so expensive that they made pencil skirts because it because of the war. Less, yep. Because it was mm-hmm. way less fabric. And I was like, that's so interesting. And it makes sense. Um, but she's also watched kind of the evolution of the garment worker because that's what she did. She, she lived in a time where she knew how to sew. So she sewed all of her kids clothes and she sewed clothes for the neighborhood kids. And it was a business for her. I actually have a quilt that she made that stayed like that was her bedspread for like 40 years. And now I have it. Um, like when my grandpa died, yeah, that I got that, um, that she handmade. It's beautiful. It's so heavy. It's so detailed and amazing. Um, but she watched things kind of decline where in the United States, it started to get where it was pumping out faster and faster clothes. And there was a, um, I don't know what to call it, the place where they were sewing and it burned down and everybody was stuck inside of it in the United States. And that's when they started saying things like that's when they started pushing it to other countries because they're like, it's too big of a liability for us. And so we're going to outsource this to another country where if that happens again, it's not our problem. And so she, she kind of talked about the history of that, of how we got disconnected from that because it's no longer in our country. So it's no longer in our news circles, you know, our immediate news circles, it's easier to hide. It's easier to cover Mm -hmm. up. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Easier to take advantage of those people because they, they, they don't know, they don't have access to protection um, mm-hmm. and, and that's where we are now. And she's like, and it's interesting because it used to be normal to just have a week's worth of clothes for your kids. And I know that's not normal for you now as a mother, you know, she's like, she's like, it's, it's, it's interesting. She says it so nicely. <laughs> she's like, so interesting <laughs> to go to target and be like, see these people buying like baskets of clothes and being like, it's just not what I, what I had. And so I think it's an interesting conversation. Cause that wasn't that long ago. That was my dad. Right. My dad's right. pretty young. <laughs> He's only like 50 something. Um, but for a lot of us, like you and I, that's just normal. It's just normal to be around this kind of clothing. And then it's, I've even noticed like in my own motherhood and like growing up, it's even more now because instead of like access to like a Target or a Walmart or whatever, now we have access to all of these huge online stores of like Shein or Shane, Shine, whatever you call it. I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. I've heard every which way. <laughs> yeah. My daughter, she's 13. She gets heated about them and she calls it Shein. So <laughs> that's what I've been saying, but I honestly have heard people say it like three different ways. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what's correct. For the purposes of this show and my daughter will call it Shein. <laughs> Shein. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm with your daughter. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She will go off on it about like how she's like, you better never buy from there. If I ever see a package, I'll be so disappointed in you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. 
Um, but I think that's a good segue into this next part of the conversation that we're going to have is like the accessibility factor and the fact that not everybody has choices to not go through somewhere like literally anywhere that supports fast fashion or utilizes fast fashion, Target, Walmart, Shein, Amazon. It's an accessibility thing at this point. Like many people don't have any other options. So that's where I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on this. Yeah. So you're so right. I mean, this is, you know, this is such an important conversation, but I also, I love that everything you do, you really handle with care because I've also seen this conversation get really snarky, Mm. which kind of points to this whole societal issue we have in the first place where it's kind of like people are bashing people who are maybe so uh, socially, excuse me, people are bashing people that are like economically disadvantaged and penalizing them for that. And you see that, I mean, not just in like talking about sustainable clothing and and fashion, but you see that throughout. So I think it's so important to have this conversation without there being kind of like pointing a finger or being snarky because you're right. For a lot of people, fast fashion is their only option. And really us growing up, people of our generation, this is all we know. I mean, later on, if you want, I can give you a quick little (laughs) condensed history lesson on all that, but yes. But, you know, it's as of right now, um, fast fashion is kind of what we know. Mm -hmm. And so online, you know, has especially post pan, I don't want to say post pandemic, it's not over, but you know what I mean? In a post pandemic world, right? I mean, even like online sales have gone up so much and retailers love that because they don't have the cost of the overhead, right? And you can have a crap ton of inventory and all these things. Um, But for people that can make other choices, I think it really comes down to a conversation of prioritizing and understanding that the way to solve this problem is you are going to have to go against the status quo. And that's hard to do, right? Because especially nowadays that we, with social media and all these things, we're bombarded with messages that say, buy more, buy more and you'll be happy, buy more and your life will look like her. And, you know, it's, we're sold this like illusion that having more material things will make us happier, will make us better. And we can project, you know, wealth and we can project status and all these things. And I mean, that's just a lie to make those companies fat rich, right? Mm -hmm. And not only are those companies getting fat rich, and when I say fast fashion companies, I'm talking about the Sheehan's, I'm talking about the Zara's, I'm talking about the H&M's. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's costing us less money, but in terms of the garment workers and the environment, they're paying a really high price. So that's where that priority um, has to come in. And I would say, you know, if, if we're talking about, again, for some people, the accessibility of buying things that are more sustainable, because yes, they are more expensive, right? They're more expensive because they are making sure that where they're sourcing their materials is not harming the earth. Um, there's a lot of thought into that. There's a lot of transparency in how their workers are treated, um, how their workers, how much their workers are paid, right? And you touched on this earlier, Right now, the fashion industry, especially in the fast fashion, especially in the fast fashion sector, 
It's taking advantage of very vulnerable people, people that have to send their children to work instead of school. You know, a lot of this fast fashion industry companies, they're breaking a whole lot of like labor laws. Um, child labor is happening. A lot of human trafficking happens. Workers are working in dilapidated buildings. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the collapse of the uh, factory in Bangladesh in 2013. That obviously wasn't the only one, but um, that one did get a lot of like media attention. But these people are being taken advantage of. And a lot of times they're also abused too. So if they complain about the situation, um, they're basically an, an, an indentured, ah, I can't talk today, an indentured servant, right? Yeah. And so, but, you know, us in America, like, out of sight, out of mind, we're not seeing the ugly side of this. And then we get sold the pretty shiny, again, illusion of like, if you buy more, you're gonna have a better life and you're gonna project all these things. But that's why we have to peel back this curtain. So sorry, back to if you do not have the means to buy all of the sustainable clothing, we need to just buy less in general. And that's something that I think everyone can do, right? We've got to stop buying into this lie of like, more is better. We need to wear more. Don't wear your outfits on repeat. Like that is complete BS. It is completely okay to be photographed <laughs> in an outfit more than once. Yeah. And so we have to be okay with that or shop secondhand. Or if you have a budget to spend, you know, a hundred dollars on clothing over the next three months, let's say, or whatever, instead of buying 12 fast fashion tops, if you are able, maybe put that budget towards buying two tops that are quality made that you love, that are going to stand the test of time that you're going to wear for the next several years. Um, Krista, if you don't mind, I would love to give like a little stat right yes. here yes. because I think, you know, again, like with that, with the whole worker thing, we don't see what's going on. So it's super easy to turn a blind eye. And I'm not even saying that happens intentionally. I think sometimes we just don't know. And why would we, right? These companies don't want us to know <laughs> because it's not pretty. So, um, I got this, there's an article in Vox that talks about, how we wear clothes about seven times before throwing them out. What? And yeah, exactly. So we're buying more than we used to. We're buying a lot more than we used to. And we're wearing those items for a much shorter amount of time. So seven times is about the average before we throw something out. So obviously when I say throw out, like these are not pieces that are damaged. This is just like, Meh, I didn't want it. I'm over it. And also last year, um, the apparel sales in the U.S. reached about $198 billion. So I just want to give everyone kind of an idea on like how much we're actually spending on this stuff for items that we are basically turning around and dumping in a landfill. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have this episode recorded so that when this conversation <laughs> comes up in the group, I can just refer them here because- I have the clothes course, like the clothes decluttering course that I teach. And what you're saying is a lot of what I've over the years. So don't feel like you have to like jump immediately to like this, this, where, where I am at, I'm not saying my, where I'm at is perfect. But when I started talking about like decluttering with moms, what I noticed is that after I decluttered, I stopped buying excessive amounts of clothes for my kids. And I stopped telling people the amount of clothes that I have for my kids because people get like obsessed with a number 
but like for my younger kids, especially like seven to 10 outfits is about what they have on any given day. That doesn't, you know, that's what I buy based on the season. Like if it's middle of summer, like seven, because they, that's what works for us. It were it works. And I think that, and one of the things that I tell people so often is that you get used to being surrounded by this amount of clothes or toys or food or whatever. And it's really hard to imagine not having it around. And you think I have to have these clothes. My kids are so messy. I have to have it. And for me, like the cycle that I was in was like, yeah, my kids would like get food on it. And I would be like, I have to have more clothes. But the truth was that I wouldn't wash those clothes because I didn't have to. And then those clothes would get ruined. And it's like little things like that are like, you know, I can see in hindsight of like, I was definitely over consuming. I was definitely used to, you know, I grew up that way, just like clothes everywhere all of the time. And so I didn't know it felt if somebody would have told me that I would have been like, you're no, won't work for me. But really, you don't need that many. You don't need as many clothes as we're led to believe. And I, I'm just so glad that we were having this conversation because now I feel like I have a solid thing to send people to to be like, you really don't need that much. Like it, it is a trick. It's a, it's a mental hurdle that you kind of have to get past, and you really can't understand it until you do declutter and you're like, oh, and we didn't have to go naked, right? We didn't. We never right. ran out of clothes. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to keep up on the laundry now. They don't get ruined. Um. And that's one thing I tell people too, is like, I don't do hand-me-downs for my kids anymore because I buy in smaller amounts that they just get worn out. <laughs> like they get worn out. It doesn't make sense to, to save them anymore. Um, and, you know, maybe if we didn't have fast fashion, fast fashion quality clothes, they would last longer. Right. But, you know, it's lots of polyester. It's lots of cheaply made stuff. And so. Mm-hmm. And kids are hard on clothes. Yeah. I mean, I've got two kids and I mean you know, the holes in the knees. I'm like, didn't I just get those for you? Like, What happened? You know, (laughs) were you sandpapering your knees? Like what happened? I know they're, it's amazing what they can do. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) You know, and another thing that brings up for me, um, when you were saying that is, and this can help people kind of understand back up what you're saying about that. We don't need that many clothes is that there's kind of a statistic and this applies to more than just clothing, but the, and it's that we wear 20, we wear 20% of our clothes, 80% of the time. And honestly, I think for a lot of us, if we go back and really look at our closet, that is true. Right. Like, and for everyone that looks different, you know, like when you're curating a closet or when you're trying to cut down if you are a lawyer who goes in and is expected to wear suits every day, you know, your closet and what you need more of is going to look different than what a stay at home mom looks like when she spends most of her days, you know, wiping up food spills from toddlers and playing at the park. Right. But the fact of the matter is regardless of which one of those situations you're in, you know, if you're working outside the home at an, at an office, that's maybe more formal, you're probably wearing those more formal business outfits much more often than you're wearing your casual clothes and your closet then should reflect that, right? And then vice versa. Like for me, a stay-at-home mom, I don't need to up it on the <laughs> on the business wear. Like I literally have no need for that. So the bulk of my closet is things like denim and blouses. Um, 
and shorts, right? I mean, we live, I live in Texas, so it's just hot here, like all the time. So, but yeah, we only, I think it's so true when you really like go back and look at your closet, like how many clothes still have tags on them, how many clothes. And I used to be so bad about this one. Um, how many clothes do you have that you planned to wear if you got down to a certain size or if they had some kind of alteration, you know, I mean, it's just, we really don't even wear, how many times have you gone into your closet and been like, oh, I forgot I had this, you know? So it just like everything you're saying, Krista, is so true. We really don't need as many clothes as we've been told that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Told and like, just like subconsciously manipulated into believing. (laughs) Oh yeah. Completely. Yeah. It's yeah. Even and the thing that I see the most with, and brace yourselves, everybody, because every time I say this, people get offended. <laughs> but I'm like, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you live. I've lived in Alaska, extreme cold. I've lived in Florida, extreme heat. I've lived in Idaho within even four seasons. I've lived in Southern California, where it's literally perfect. I've lived in the Midwest now, where it's like, we're in a season right now where it's like 30 degrees in the morning and then 80 degrees at night. Weather is not an excuse. <laughs> Weather is not an excuse for saying that you need more clothes, right? You need, you have to have, you know, an entire wardrobe for every single season. You don't. You just need to curate clothing that meets your needs, right? Like for us, that mm-hmm. looks like layering up and layering down. My kids leave school in the morning, sometimes in shorts and a hoodie, knowing that they're going to take their hoodie off when they're walking home from the bus. Sometimes, it's the opposite. They have jeans on and a tank top with a hoodie and they take the hoodie off or, or what? I don't know what they do, but that's what I do too. Is like, I'm not going to have an entire fall wardrobe, winter wardrobe, spring wardrobe. Like I'm just not going to do it. And then for things like we need, because it isn't even four seasons and they do overlap instead of buying snow boots and rain boots and like a rain jacket and a regular jacket, I find multi-purpose ones. I find waterproof boots that work in the snow. Like mm-hmm. that's there's, it is, it's not an excuse. <laughs> Whether it's no, not I, an excuse. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. And I grew up, like I said, I mean, half my life was spent in Texas and then the, you know, the other half of my childhood was in Colorado. So I've been in the snow, I've been in the heat, been in California, you know, I, you're so right. Like find things that are multi-purpose Um, and then also I'm a big fan of clothes, what I call like transitional pieces. So like jeans, you can wear year round, you know, um, not in the dead of summer, like at a park in Houston, but you know, you can still, I still wear my jeans year round. So obviously in the winter, I'm wearing them more daily. And then in the summer, they might be something that I dress up to go out on a date night in the evening because restaurants are cold anyway. But Mm -hmm. you can kind of, you know, the difference is sort of in what you pair it with. Or if you have like a um, collared cotton button down, you can wear that with shorts in the summer. And then you can put that with jeans or, you know, skirt and tights in the winter. So like you can having thinking about your pieces as being like transitional pieces, meaning that they can carry you from one season into the next, into the next, that's really important too. And if you do need some of the more extreme options, I mean, I know that, you know, I know that I do being here. I mean, we just had that freeze like a year or two ago, which was just insane, but then most of the year it's 
incredibly hot, but maybe one large coat, you know, or rather than having five, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And like for those, <clears throat> I know not everybody agrees with this, but like when we moved from Florida to Idaho, we moved when Idaho had like the worst winter they had had in 30 years. And I, I was watched all these people like buy all of this stuff for this one-off experience. And to me, it's my mentality is like, we're just going to figure out how to get through this exception. Cause it's not the rule. <laughs> yeah. And I know not everybody agrees with that. So if you like to have that additional layer of comfort, like go for it, but know that you're going to trade, you're going to trade your space, your time, your energy, your money. If you want to plan for all of those exceptions, rather than planning for your average everyday life. Um, and I think like another thing for me too, one way that I try to combat like the overconsumption and the fast fashion is that rather instead of stockpiling items, right. Instead of stockpiling clothing or stockpiling, even food to a degree, I stockpile my money so that if there is like an unexpected exception to the rule, I can more easily get that thing. And I know that one of the things that we wanted to talk about, this is like accessibility and like, like privileged privilege to be mm -hmm. in. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't always that way for me, but that was a goal that I wanted to get to. It's like, I don't, I don't want to feel like I have to hoard things based on the way that I grew up, which is what I was taught is like, save everything, buy everything on sale. If it's on sale, you get it. And I wanted to get myself to a place where I could keep my, my money and get things as needed and what it's been able to, what it's allowed me to do. And one, another conversation that I'm passionate about is give people money when they need it too, because that's another thing that happens. I think we talked about it on your show, um, on the episode that I did with you. So you guys, I'll link that so you guys can listen to it. But like in crisis, when people are in crisis, we want to just give them our excess stuff. We want to offload our excess onto them and, and feel like we're giving them something and for me, when I have friends in crisis, like there's been times inside of the motherhood simplified group where moms experience crisis, whether it's a, the death of a child, which has happened in our group or the death of a spouse is like, I want to pitch in and give them money. Cause I don't know what they need. I don't know what stuff they need. I don't want to get them the wrong stuff. I don't want to give them the wrong stuff. I would rather give them money to get what they need. Um, and so that's just a personal goal of mine. I know. So yeah, maybe we can I'd love to hear your thoughts and then we can segue into the accessibility and the privilege of, of this conversation too, which I think matters. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's such a great point about, you know, stockpiling the funds to buy that should you need it. And I think also, you know, for people that I, I also think maybe there's a happy medium too. Like if you feel more comfortable having a few pieces for the what ifs, I think that's okay. But I think then, um, the amount comes into play, right? So maybe you have three pieces, just for instance, to get you through the really cold winter, the the extremely cold days, right? Knowing that you're going to wear those on repeat versus buying enough to have an entire week's worth of clothing for that very extreme case, right? Yes, everybody, I had to move my, my computer to plug my plug my computer in so I don't die during this conversation. Sorry, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I agree. Especially with what you said about like 
if it gives you that comfort and that security to buy that extra stuff, like, of course do that. I don't think the, the purpose or the message that we ever want to send is like deprive yourself, right? Just like make it, make it work. Um, but yeah, there's the balance between, <laughs> between this. And I think when it does come to, I always try to be like sensitive to people's situations, like single parents, um, like low income families. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't want people to feel bad about like having these kinds of things or finding comfort and security in it. Um, and then also shining a light just on like a different way, like a way to get yourself out of the, the cycle, (laughs) the cycle of overconsumption, I guess. Yeah, definitely. (sighs) Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, yes. So one thing that we did want to discuss just a little bit further is like, what exactly, what exactly fast fashion is like, how do I identify it? And I know we can't completely avoid it. So, and then we can talk about ways that we can curate our closets to have less fast fashion, like infused into it. And we can kind of talk about like the scale. I think it's probably a scale of like things that we can do based on, based on income level, time level, energy levels, even just like general accessibility of like what's available to you locally. So. Yeah. And that's, and that's so important. So, you know, I know we all are very familiar, I think at this point with the term of fast fashion, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, what exactly is that? So in the simplest form, Fast fashion is clothing that is manufactured as quickly and cheaply as possible. So this is kind of going back to that history lesson that we talked about earlier. You know, obviously a really long time ago, textiles were made by hand and then clothing was sewn by hand, which is pretty incredible if you think about like how elaborate clothing used to be. It's pretty mind blowing that people did that all by hand. But then, you know, Fast forward with the invention of the sewing machine, fast forward with the industrial revolution, clothing manufacturing became easier, quicker, therefore cheaper. And then fast forward further into closer to like present day. And that's when ready to wear clothing, which is clothing that was not custom made, started overtaking made to order clothing. And so in terms of the fashion industry, fashion pretty much used to be divided into four different seasons. So you would have these fashion houses show new collections like four times a year, right? And then in the 1990s, fast fashion started to rev up. And now we're in a place where we have gone from four seasons to 52 micro seasons. So basically what that, yeah, it's insane, right? And then if you obviously think about that from like the oh, uh, mathemati- mathematical standpoint, That's a new season every single week. Exactly. So that has enabled retailers to quickly and cheaply make new items weekly. And honestly, I think the Sheehan's of the world produce even more than just like weekly. So, I mean, clearly way too much stuff is being produced, but companies are producing this much because we're buying it. You know, Mm -hmm. like if we're not going to supply the demand they're not going to make as much. So it's kind of, I I do think companies need to be held to way more stringent standards and expectations and things like that 
but there is kind of a personal component of that where it's like, we do have to assume some responsibility because again, they are forecasting what they can sell based off of what we have purchased previously. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but a couple really um, popular examples of fashion, fashion retailers are Zara, H&M and Shein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about the scale of what we can do. Cause I agree with you on this in that corporations are, they are to blame, right? Ultimately they, they are marketers, they are business people and they're, they are, they're creating a business on growth levels that don't take into account the exploitation of their workers, the way that it wrecks our resources, the way that we have <clears throat> way too much stuff to even keep within our own society. I didn't mean to pause, but you know, and on your episode, I shared that story of like my dad and I going to the Dominican Republic where he used to live and seeing somebody riding a bike down the street, wearing his high school mascot shirt, like East high Thunderbirds from Alaska. And it was like a very specific, distinct logo um, because like we are, we have so much stuff that we offloaded onto other countries. And like, we, we do this thing where we're like, oh, we're doing them a favor. And it's like, are we doing them a favor? Like they didn't ask for it. They don't really have a need for it. Right. Like that's pretty assumptive of us to just like offload it onto them and it's a problem. But so <laughs> right, I'm not saying that the corporations like they are to blame, but then we also, we're not powerless in this. And I think the biggest solution that almost anybody can do, probably everybody can do is buy less, right? Yes. You're going to have to buy some, but you can buy less, right? I think that's a great place to start. And then there's kind of a scale. I think maybe we can brainstorm these out <laughs> together of yeah. ways that you can reduce your your participation level in fast fashion, right? So buying less, I think is possible for anybody that should feel like a relief almost because you have to buy less stuff. Right. Um, I, I like the idea of, well, I have two ideas, which are like shopping secondhand or like through thrift mm -hmm. stores. But what I've learned is that that is also a privileged stance to take because thrift stores, the ones that have like higher quality items are in better parts of town that not everybody has access to. And they will take like donations from certain parts of town and then resell it almost at the same price as new. And it's become kind of trendy almost to thrift. Like you have even seen like thrifting influencers where it's like, this is a hobby for you. And for some people they, they have to do it. And so I don't right. know your thoughts on that. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say the same thing, you know, kind of understanding that for some it's a choice and for some it's a necessity. Um, I do think shopping secondhand, whether that's at thrift stores or, you know, donation centers, or I think from an economic or no, sorry, not economic, from an environmental standpoint, that is helpful, I think, because at least then you're kind of giving those clothes like a second life. Um I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, Krista, you had touched on this. Not only do we, not only do a lot of our clothes end up being cast off onto other countries, about 18.6 metric tons of the world's clothing is going to end up in a landfill just this year. So clothes 
either even are either given to other countries with people who don't need them. Like they need other things like access to medical care and food and clean water, right? Like they don't need our freaking clothes shirts. No, they don't. All right. Um, Super Bowl loser shirts. Yeah, exactly. Like we're not saving any lives here, people, by giving them a Super Bowl, you know, X the Super Bowl loser shirts, right? And then the other part of that, like this stuff ends up in a landfill. And that's even more dangerous now because so many of our clothes are made with synthetic fibers and obviously synthetic fibers, they're made from fossil fuels. Like this stuff doesn't really break down, you know? So then we're also like polluting the environment. Um, what is it called? Microplastics are getting into the water, um, and polluting water sources. Um, so anyway, just like another reason why we need to just consume less in general and then shopping secondhand at least gives those clothes maybe a second or third life um so that they're not going just straight into someone else's hands someone else's problem a landfill Mm -hmm. um another thing i mean i think consume less is like no matter your income i think consume less is like the biggest take home and then i think kind of up from there and again this does kind of like ladder according to financial ability right but if you another thing we can do is especially if you can't buy something that's sustainable try to buy something that are natural fibers right so at least that that's not contributing to you know our environmental crisis um so like cotton um bamboo like things like that so that's something that we can do and then looking through my notes. (laughs) Sorry, you're gonna have to like edit out the longest pause ever. Yeah, that's okay. That's makes up for mine earlier when I was like, (laughs) my computer's best die. And then I lost (laughs) all of my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We'll just have a couple edited, um, (laughs) you know, edited pieces. Oh, and then, you know, another thing I think, again, this kind of goes back to consume less, but again, quality over quantity. So this does kind of go back to privilege, but you know, if you have a budget, if you're one of those people that buy new, that buys new clothes every month, instead of buying 12 pieces from a fast fashion retailer, use that to buy something that's that's sustainable, right? Those clothes are better for the environment. They're better for the garment workers. They're going to last longer. So you won't need to buy as much. I mean, I know sometimes it's hard to reconcile, again, if you can, paying this price when you could pay the Amazon price. But if you think about it and you buy something that's cheaply made from Amazon or Shein, that thing is not even going to make it through many washes. Mm -hmm. So you're actually going to keep buying and buying and buying. So if you can kind of look at it through that lens, go ahead and buy the more expensive, better made item that you're going to wear. And I think also we have to shop with intentionality, right? Like we may talk, I I think we're going to talk about curating the closet later, but after you declutter and curate your closet, kind of the step from that point on is shopping with intention. So instead of shopping without a plan and just going in and say, oh, I like this, I like this, I might wear this, or, oh, I have one event, I'm gonna buy it just for that. Instead, what you do is you shop and say, you know what? Okay, my my denim, my blue jean denim, my black pair is good, my, you know, whatever pair is great. 
this pair is worn out. So I'm going to go in with the intention of getting something to replace this, right? Or I don't have, I need another cotton basic t-shirt or something like that. So you go in with a plan rather than going in and just being overwhelmed by all the cool sparkly new things. Or here's a big one for me, <laughs> Crystal, I want to know what you think of this. We need to stop buying, and I know not everyone's going to love hearing this, trendy clothing. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that honestly, that trend mindset, and it's very intentional, it's very profitable. <laughs> buying that mindset of like keeping up with the TikTok trends and what the influencers are buying, that puts you in this cycle where not only are you over consuming, but then you're constantly needing to buy more because what you just bought is now obsolete. So for instance, you know, all the different denim shapes are coming back into style, like wide legs all over the place, like flare is back. That's fine. And if that's your jam, totally cool. But for me personally, I'm 5'2 and super petite. I will be wearing skinny jeans to the day I die. And I am 100% fine with saying that I'm sticking to the jeans that I have and I'm going to wear them out rather than trying to chase the trends of today that will not be the trends of two weeks from now. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I love <laughs> that you brought this up because I, I am the same and I agree that you have to stop buying things just because they're in. And it's funny that you are on the skinny jean train because for this last decade, all there's been are like skinny jeans. I can't find like American Eagle sometimes would have like the, the boot cut flare things that I like. Um, but I was just like, for the last decade, I'm like, I will never wear skinny jeans. I won't do it. I will find <laughs> the ones that I like somewhere in the back corner of wherever it is that I'm getting my jeans from. Cause nobody sells them. <laughs> right. And then they started coming back and I'm like, yay, they're back. Yay. Um, <laughs> it's your time I, to shine. Yeah. It's my decade. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the same, I'm so with you on that for a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, it, it does keep you from over-consuming because you don't like buy into the trends. You're not like, I guess it's fall. I got to get this, right? I guess it's whatever. I guess there's 52 different weeks of it. I got to get this. Um, <laughs> you just don't do that anymore. But then it's also, I was going to say boring, but I don't think boring is the word. It's just not, it's not a dopamine hit for me to like get clothes. Like it feels, it just feels good. Like I'm excited when I get new clothes but I know what I like to wear. I know what fits me well. I know my style. It's always hoodies. <laughs> it's always hoodies and jeans. And if I'm going out somewhere, I have the same style of like dresses that I like and like shoes that I like to go with it. And so it's not like this overstimulating experience of like different clothes, new clothes, different outfit all the time. It's like just a comfortable feeling of like, I know what I like to wear. And that makes the process enjoyable. It doesn't make it overstimulating or like super exciting like it used to be for me. But um, I think that's maybe for you all listening, something to to consider, like maybe get getting to that point. We just live in such an overstimulating society, even with our clothing. Like it's okay to just be like, these are my clothes and this is good. Like I'm content. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually so, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that hits on something else that I really like to talk about. And that is true style is not following the trends. Mm -hmm. So again, women sold this lie 
for these companies to make money that, you know, you're only stylish if you're trendy. And if you really break that down, anyone can look at an influencer or look on Pinterest or flip through a magazine and see something that's trendy. And now thanks to fast fashion, go to Target and buy that same or a similar looking item. So there's really no uniqueness. There's no thought into it. There's nothing about that that says something specific about you or the way that you want to express yourself. Because I do think style and clothing can be a really great form of self-expression. But just buying trend after trend is not that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm like, a good hoodie is what I want. And then like, like this one says mama. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to wear. And I'm going to wear it until it's, it's completely worn out. And then I have another one that has like our kids, uh, logos, like our mascot, because our town is small enough that every single school has the same mascot. And so I'm like, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was surprised too. They're like it's the yellow jackets. It's so small that the high school, middle school, and the three elementary schools are all the yellow jackets. Oh, how cool. So like yellow jacket hoodie. And I'm like, this is my style. It's a hoodie. It's like representing <laughs> like I am deep in the throes of motherhood. <laughs> yes. And that's good with me. And then if I ever do dress up a little bit, like I've got those classic pieces that I can just rely on. I don't have to think about it. Um, I don't have to be like, I wonder what I should wear now. It's like, I know what fits my body type. I know what I feel comfortable in and that's it. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it doesn't have to be this like brain busting experience. And I think that's where a lot of people get kind of the paralysis of like styling themselves or getting dressed in the morning. You know, for a lot of people, it's not fun. It's kind of paralyzing. Yeah, it's and I think fun. it is. And honestly, the way that most of a shop again, like I've totally been guilty of this. So I'm including myself in this, but yeah, when you have all these different styles, all these different trends, 350 pieces of clothing, of course that's overwhelming. Like, where do you even start with that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so for everybody listening, you know, I practice what I preach because you all are always like, it was the first year I did Motherhood Simplified, I wore that same hoodie. And once I got a different one, everybody was like, who are you? We don't recognize you. (laughs) Nobody actually cares what you wear. Nobody cares if you're wearing the same things on repeat. Like, make your life easy. Just find something you love to wear. And then if you're wearing it more often, like we talked about earlier, Hey buddy, um, you can buy more expensive things, right? Like you can yeah, hire quality things and they're going to last longer and it's okay. It's totally okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. Actually, my, I have a funny story. My 35th birthday is coming up in November and my husband's so sweet. He's throwing me like a, like a dinner with a lot of our, like Um, our family and our friends and everything. And of course, like I do love fashion. If I was over consuming in one area of my life, it would definitely be fashion versus home decor or food or whatever it is. Right. Cause that is my thing. So for me, everything that I'm talking about takes, it takes a lot of intentionality on my part. Right. Cause I know that's my Achilles heel, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but my first instinct, you know, I start scrolling on some of my favorite websites, looking at dresses And, you know, later that night I was like, you know what? No, I need to practice what I preach. I have three awesome options in my closet that I have already worn. I've already been, you know, I already have pictures of me in, which is totally fine. I'm going to pick from one of those three. And that's what I'm wearing on my 31st birthday. So (laughs) I also am like, got to practice what I preach. (laughs) No new birthday outfits for me. (laughs) 
I love this though, too, because my daughter's the same way. And I used to be the same way with clothes, but I don't know what changed in me. I, I don't know. Maybe I, that I have so many kids that I just don't have like energy for it anymore. But my daughter <laughs> is this way. And one of the things that I've been trying to like show her is like you can have these staple pieces and then you have like room, not only in your budget, because we talk to our kids about like money and stuff to get like a really cute accessory or like, like from Etsy, like a small business owner who makes handmade, like really love cute accessories that to make it feel like a different event, you know, cause she's, yeah, she's a Gemini. She's got like major Gemini. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you're into astrology. She's major Gemini. She loves change, variety, creativity, like outward expression. She loves it. And so I don't want to like stifle her. And I think that's also a good conversation to have too. Is like, you don't have to stifle, stifle yourself. Um, just create space for like different different forms of like creativity and expression, especially when it comes to the things that you wear and the way that you dress. And maybe it's, maybe it's her makeup. Maybe it's her jewelry. She loves jewelry. I did a story the other day on Instagram where she was like, we're like running late and we get in the car and she's like, wait, no, I have to go. I forgot my stuff. And I'm like, what did you forget? And she's like, I forgot my jewelry. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, we are late. Like, I don't understand. Life or death. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. But yeah, like, I think it's a good conversation too of like, you don't have to deprive yourself. You don't have to like be totally plain and boring. But when you do consume less, right? You do create space to potentially get something that's like not from Claire's, right? Right. Yeah. And I think once you curate your closet and you start whittling it down to things that you really like wearing, that you really feel good in, you don't have as much of that urge to go buy something new for every event. Cause it's like, you know what? I really love this outfit, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said, I mean, you can style it different with different accessories or do your makeup differently or your hair differently or whatever. Or I mean, even if we're talking blouses, the way you tuck it can make it look mm -hmm. different for dresses. You can, you know, just get a hair tie and tie up, you know, part of the inside of it to make it look like it's a different shape skirt. Like there's so many different little tweaks you can do. And definitely no one wants to have their creativity stifled, you know, especially when it comes to clothing, because it is a form of self-expression, but there's definitely so many ways to do that without just buying something new every single week, you know? Yeah. I love this conversation. I have one more thing to add and then, and then we can, we can wrap it up. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm like, I don't want to, but I feel like we should. <laughs> Um, all good the other thing that happens and one thing that I love about decluttering is is that it allows you to go like to take things deeper rather than just like wider and you can do the same thing like with your clothing like and I noticed this with my daughter is that she knows exactly what she has she knows the clothing that she has and she talks often about like well I can do this with this and I can wear it with that or I can like dress it up or dress it down um, and then when we go shopping places like she can pretty much recall the majority of her wardrobe from memory. And so it makes it easier to be intentional with the things that you're buying. Cause you're like, do I already have something like this? Right. Is this going to go with the stuff that I already have? Or am I going to buy something? And she'll do that. Like she will go down the path of being like, well, if I buy this, I don't have anything that goes with it. And I'm like, first of all, I don't understand because my brain just doesn't work that way. I'm like, why can't you just <laughs> wear that with jeans? And she's like, I can't get this shirt because I don't have the right color jeans. And then I'll have to buy another pair of jeans and then I'll have to buy another pair of shoes. And I just don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, great. So you don't want to get the shirt. 
is that what we're, that what we're <laughs> at? But she, I mean, she can kind of recall, and I can do that too, like with my stuff, because it's it's smaller now. It's curated of like, I have these jeans, I have these kinds of shirts. I know it would, this would make sense in the wardrobe and the style and the color scheme that I have. Um, instead of like where I used to do, like, oh, I like how this fits. I better get it in every color which is what I used to do. Right. Yes. And now oh, I'm I've like, been guilty of that too. Completely. Yeah. 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 And now it's just easier to not do that. Cause I, I can pretty much recall. I don't buy duplicates. I don't buy things that won't ultimately match with what I already have. Um, it helps and it, it makes it more fun. I think. It does. And I think, you know, it just eliminates so much of the headache around it and the hassle and what you're kind of what you're alluding to is once you declutter and curate and get that down, you're essentially creating almost like a capsule wardrobe. So then, you know, you know, and I think this is actually really important when we talk about shopping with intentionality to think about, unless it's for just like a very special event or something, you know, if it's a formal, you know, formal dress or something for like a gala, like I understand that that's kind of a different category. Also, if you're going to do that, go rent the runway, but yes. <laughs> don't yeah. buy it because you're only going to wear it once. But, you know, in terms of just normal everyday clothes, you can kind of create almost like a capsule wardrobe where you really are conscious of, okay, if I buy this blouse, am I only going to wear this like for one occasion or one time? And so when you know what you have, you know, the pieces that are going to look good together, like what your daughter was saying, well, if I buy that, then I'm going to want to buy something else. And that kind of, that kind of sets off that cycle of like consumption. Right. And then I got to get the shoes and we don't need to do that. Like stick with the things that you have, fill the voids, fill the gaps, fill the things that maybe do need to be replaced because they're worn out or, you know, we fluctuate in sizes too. Right. Maybe, maybe my jeans from 10 years ago, you know, I've had two kids. I'm not the same size. Right. So buy based on that and then buy pieces with the intention, like really think about like how many times you're going to wear this. Like, does this only go with one pair of pants that you have? Or can you wear this with five of five of your pants and your skirts? You know what I mean? And if the answer is yes, that's probably a much smarter purchase than something that you can only wear with like one other item in your closet or for one occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this. So maybe, um, cause we have talked, we've talked for a long time and I love this. I'm probably going to break this up into two episodes, but then maybe we Perfect. can do like a short, like a mini baby episode of like just resources, I guess, for like places to shop. Um, like rent you, you sparked that when you said rent the runway and I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I've never used it, but if I ever have an event, <laughs> I do want to use them. I just haven't had a reason to use them yet. Um, but yeah, like rent the runway, um, how to find like consignment stores near you, thrift stores near you, things like Poshmark, which I find to be really time consuming. So for me, like not super doable. Um, but yeah, maybe like a little mini baby episode on <laughs> just quick resources that people can do based on their time, their energy and their finances, we don't have to, but maybe yeah, I'm done with that. Can, like, do together some kind of a resource guide of yeah, scale. yeah. I okay. would yeah, I would love that. Yeah, let's brainstorm on that, and we can kind of come up with like lists and sort of compile them, and then do a um, we can yeah, if you want to record a, a thing on it, we can totally do that, or we can you know do whatever. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah, we can talk about it because um. I'm really good at the decluttering part because I do have that little, I have the mini course 
for everybody listening, there is the mini course clothes decluttering 101 that will teach you how to declutter your clothes and start to curate your wardrobe. But the thing that I'm not great at, like I said, like, I think you guys can probably tell, like, but based on the way that my brain works, my daughter's brain works and probably Sarah, like you're probably (laughs) not like my daughter where you guys kind of excel in the curating part, like the adding things in, which does matter. (laughs) So, and I can kind of go through some stuff. Yeah, no, I think it's such a great like compliment. And I can also, if you want, go through kind of just like a couple easy steps to like how to logistically start curating your closet. Like, yeah, kind of take it from like the, after you declutter it, like, how do we start like whittling it down? How do we start editing? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. Okay. So everybody listening, if I keep this in the episode, watch for that. I'll, I'll keep in touch with you all on this and I'll put the info for you to go find Sarah, um, on Instagram and her podcast, because, um, while she is gifted and talented in talking about fashion and fast fashion, her podcast is also really great. Like we started off talking, it's an intellectual form of self-care for me, I think, which is super important for moms, um, just to be able to like have a space to have these kinds of conversations. She just had a dad on the show, um, which I was like, Ooh, yay. Like a dad, he was talking about the mental load, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. He was talking about, um, yeah, the male perspective on like parenting stigma and we even got into masculinity. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Cause so far it's been all female. So <laughs> yeah. got to have both, both perspectives, but yeah, he was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have a lot of great guests and a lot of great topics that are just, I think super important. They matter a lot. Um, and it's always just kind of nice to have like some space to like not be all consumed by like motherhood stuff. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes our brains need to think about other things. And for us to remember that like motherhood is such an amazing part of our life, but we're also a person outside of that. Yeah. Otherhood. Other. (laughs) That's so perfect. (laughs) I don't know if anybody's ever said that before, but I think I'm going to run with it. It's going to be, I think you, I think your second podcast needs to be otherhood. (laughs) Otherhood simplify. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I might do that because I'm dabbling in making a second podcast on um, business stuff, but yeah. Other cool. Than, okay. Well know. go trademark that name and don't post this so that people <laughs> don't steal that. Nobody steal otherhood. No steal otherhood. Okay? <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for having me on Krista. This was really fun. I always, always, always love talking to you. Yeah. So much fun. I feel like we could talk forever. Yes. Um, and we probably will talk some more, watch out for the resource. We'll brainstorm how we want to put it together, but, um, look out for that. Everybody will put all of, I'll put a bunch of links for you inside of here, um, to check out, to help you get on your way with decluttering your clothes and finding Sarah. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. 
but when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.